Welcome to the Data for Betterment podcast, Reimagine Hybrid Work, with your host, Maribel Lopez. Maribel is the founder of the Data for Betterment Foundation and Lopez Research. The Data for Betterment Foundation is a nonprofit organization that helps individuals understand and prepare for how their career will change as companies embrace new technologies. Lopez Research, a market research and strategy consulting firm, helps companies understand how technologies such as connected devices, collaboration, cloud computing, and AI change the customer and employee experience. The firm's clients range from startups to global corporations, including 10 of the Fortune 30. She's also the author of the highly regarded business book on how those technologies are transforming the company, employee, and customer experience, Right Time Experiences, published by Wiley. She's also a frequent public speaker at corporate events and contributor at Forbes.com. Maribel is currently researching and writing her next book on how to build successful strategies for workplace transformation. We hope you enjoy the show. Hi, welcome back to the podcast. I'm really excited to be here today with Annalise Olson. She is the GM and global head of the print category for HP Inc. Annalise, thank you for being a guest on the show today. Can you tell the audience a little more about your role and about the division you support? Sure. Thanks, Maribel, for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, so I uh, have been with HP 25 years and currently am responsible for our printing business end-to-end. We have 10 markets around the world, and that spans all time zones and all customer segments. And so we're responsible for driving our category, our P&L, our operational forecast, and go-to-market strategies. So one of the reasons I thought that it would be interesting to talk to you is I had the opportunity to attend your Amplify event last year, and there were a lot of great products introduced, but there was also a lot of talk about business model change and business model change that have been driven by COVID-19, which we obviously know has changed businesses worldwide. And adaptability is really the name of the game for every organization. And HP Inc., like many companies, has faced significant change during this time. So I was wondering if we could talk about how technology and your business are changing. Some of the moves you made were bold moves, and I'm sure they were designed well before the pandemic. But can you speak to some of the change that you saw? Absolutely. The way that I've really looked at this and and as a company we're looking at this is we are executing our same strategies, but things have accelerated incredibly since covid We had looked at shifting to contractual services, for example, based on what IT leaders and CTOs and different folks were talking to us about on how can I get a more predictable cost to my IT needs? How can I serve customers and employees around the world? Those kinds of things. And and services was something that has definitely been in our strategy for some time now. But as we look at what happened pre and post COVID, you know, post COVID, as lockdowns came into play, it first disrupted supply chains, which you can imagine with a global footprint, we have supply chains all over the world, China, Malaysia, Vietnam, US, etc. So that supply chain piece came first. And then as we were looking then at the demand profiles and what were then changing, everyone went into lockdown, work at home, learn from home, emerged in 
a much faster way for print than it ever had been in the past because it's been in some secular decline in the home as things were digitized, as people printed for work for free. You know, a lot of things kind of changed in that space. And that pivot for us was significant to say, okay, wait, if a distributed workforce now looks like this, how people are working is changing, what they need to do where in terms of accessing their content, what does their workflow look like, both for home and personal. It's almost like this strategy we had around One Life that we've been talking about for printing and computing for a number of years. It became the reality. You're living One Life. You and I are sitting here every single day working and living, the dogs barking, maybe kids, delivery people coming and talking and and driving our business. And so there were a number of things that we quickly regrouped, just assessing the mega trends that we had been following. And that as a service came up as a huge acceleration where companies were like, look, I, I want to get a more predictable way to buy and have a contractual engagement to scale down or scale in different locations. We had a lot of digital acceleration as another mega trend where that's been happening, but it just went on steroids. People are like, wait, how does a workflow now work if people have to do the same job, but they're in a different place? And then responsible technology and what sustainability means to customers also has changed a lot post-COVID. You go look at Google search terms and things like that. They've grown anywhere between a thousand and four thousand percent for people saying, how can I make sustainable choices in my technology and what that means. And so as a service, digital acceleration and responsible technology are three huge themes that have emerged since COVID for us. I want to unpack this as a service thing a little bit. So you mentioned, obviously, everybody was looking for predictable financing, and that's one aspect of as a service. And then you also talked about digital And we're starting to see that many products have a digital life now. Software and services are accompanying hardware. You guys are participating heavily in this trend. Can we talk a little bit more about how we're defining as a service today versus say how we defined as a service maybe before COVID or a year or two before that? I guess there's a couple of of ways this evolution has taken place. I think financing for purchases. I think if we go back a couple of years is kind of the way that people were first, you know, a small business and trying to say, hey, how can I set up my office? Can I have some kind of monthly predictability in terms of I've got to get all this equipment maybe up for an office? And what does that look like? And should I buy it outright? Well, the capital expenditure is a lot. So how can I just have a monthly fee? And financing groups that we would partner with or even some of our channel partners or others kind of came together for those solutions. We did in the enterprise side, I think historically have a lot around managed print services, but I think people used to think there was a blueprint, you're in a physical office, here's what that looks like, and it was kind of a procurement type of decision. Now, with the acceleration of as a service and thinking about how do you serve customers? If you're the CTO, how do you serve where your customer footprint is, especially across multiple locations? How do you serve your employees in different locations? As a service kind of changed to how can I have flexibility to create the right kinds of stack of technology that people need depending on the work they need to do? If you've got People who are in R&D, 
versus you've got people who are traveling salespeople versus you have an accounting department. They also all have different needs, different security levels, different applications, and therefore the process of workflow. And so it's, it's a much more inclusive evolution, I think, of as a service and what it can mean now. And also how and what people think they can buy. And we kind of span the gamut. On the one hand, as a service is as simple as somebody wants to buy a printer. We have over 8 million subscribers for Instant Ink. The printer orders its own ink. You never run out and it's half the cost. That's kind of a one-to-one relationship. And that's been booming since COVID, you could imagine. We also have things like for small businesses and things about, well, gosh, you might have some multiple devices, but you might need service and support. You might need other kinds of access to things, either digitally or on the phone or different things. And so how could someone kind of set up, have a setup like a a business boost type of subscription that financing allows them to then just have a monthly payment, whatever stack that they want, then all the way up to say, um, let's call it a managed print service or device as a service where you might be managing lots of security and fleets and customized applications that you'd actually have built inside those kind of services. So it's really a continuum depending on who the customer segment is, what their needs are, and what their top priorities are as part of that. One of the things I find so fascinating about this is when people think of print and printers, I don't think they really fully grapple with the sophistication that we've had to put into this. When you think of this as being an as-a-service, what is an office experience look like at home? And then you talked about how do you manage a fleet of devices if you're an IT manager procuring these things. And then you also touched on this concept of what I would call the contextual aspect of a service, right? Does someone have enough ink? These services have to be learning and predictive about your behavior so it can anticipate what you need and get you that ink so that you can have sort of just-in-time printing, so to speak. Right. That took a lot of work and engineering, and I, I think it really goes to show that there is an evolution in this category, but there's also an evolution in terms of how we think of products and services in general. And I know we just touched a little bit on the concept of IT and things such as fleet management, but IT leaders are now worrying about things like security. Are these fears founded? Uh, and if so, how should they think about mitigating risk? Right. So there's no question that security is important when you're thinking about printing. Sometimes people are amazed because they think, well, gosh, a PC I understand, but what about a printer? And 77% of IT leaders are more concerned since COVID about security now. And that is applicable end to end, but even with print. Um, as there's more remote work, there's more vulnerability. Employees have so much IP with them walking around, whether in digital or physical form. And to do their jobs, people need to print. Print is essential. We're seeing huge growth that's come since COVID because people are not getting to print their leases and photos at the office, which sometimes people want security for in the IT side for managing costs, et cetera. But also who gets access now that they're remote. And if you're reviewing a contract, if you're reviewing documentation or signing off on R&D or architecture plans, people need to print. And so IT folks have talked to us a lot about that. And, and we know this from our research. A printer has a hard drive. It could be a Trojan horse for attacks. 
we've invested a lot in security and are the most secure printing and computing company in the world. Nothing is 100% hack free. But the point is, how do you design your stack in such a way that you're protecting the identity, you're protecting the data, you're protecting the device, and then who gets access to that? Because when IT folks start to think this new future of work, where is my workforce? Some may be physically in a location or an office that's essential. Many are working at home. And so how do we give the right level of access to whom? How an accountant works is different than an R&D leader that would be different than someone in the legal department. And so that becomes very important of how do you timestamp things? Who do you give access to? Are documents able to be printed and by whom? And then also how that works in the digital workflow back and forth, because many times printers are off ramps or on ramps for part of the workflow. And so you've got to be able to scan, print, maybe scan again, back and forth. And how we help people automate and secure those processes is is part of how we need to design things as well. I think it's one of the hidden things that people don't think about. Maybe they've considered on their computing devices, PCs, smartphones, tablets, that security is a big issue. But when you start to get to the other connected device landscape, it's not necessarily as well-defined I, I had a joke about like the coffee maker in my house. I did want to make sure that wasn't starting a botnet attack on you know the world. So I do think it's important that we think about these and I'm happy to see IT leaders thinking about it. I'm happy to see vendors addressing it. We've covered a lot of ground. We've covered the move to as a service. We've covered the concept of creating combined digital and physical products. What's next for you? What are you thinking about that will be the future? Well, as I said earlier, I think a lot of this is we're executing our same strategy, but now accelerating much faster as we go forward. It's very much around helping our customers live one life. So we serve consumers, governments, enterprises. We know each of these segments. And so we have the ability to create the right contextual awareness, in fact, for the customer experience of what they need to be able to do. And then we work backwards from there. We have pivoted to cloud first as we think about solutions in printing like WorkPath, where we have platforms and SDKs and over a thousand apps that are cloud-enabled workflow design for customers. We can work with many other customizations. And so having the ability to design the workflow in the cloud, and then be able to have the access to the different endpoints, no matter where we are. Things like HP Roam, where on your phone, depending on your profile, having physical awareness of what devices are closest to you and how you could access print, really thinking that acceleration of services, the customer experience, and how to be cloud first, so that for the brand promise for us is delivering seamless, secure, and sustainable printing simple as that. It makes a lot of sense. And I love the focus on the user now and being able to empower the user. And we're in a podcast where we're talking about reimagining hybrid work or distributed work. You're a company that has a large distributed workforce. Any tips and tricks on how to manage a team and maintain a corporate culture? This is an all-consuming, very important topic. I think as business leaders, we're very focused on the business. And with COVID, it was, okay, on a Friday to a Monday, we moved 52,000 people globally to a remote working from home. And 
so of course, first it was that. And then very quickly it was, wait, how do we make sure that, yes, we maintain company culture? How do we make sure that our employees are supported and engaged in this new way of working? And the pressures, quite frankly, too, right? There was a lot first of how you technically can work, but then it was also how how do you deal with the mental health and the balance of if everything's at your kitchen table, <laughs> you know, your your kids learning and you working and noises in the background, how do we help manage that? And so I think for me, it's, I kind of follow these three principles and we've done a lot of this at HP. The first one is communication and it comes in many forms. It's eliminated a lot of hierarchy, brought even more transparency to the table because People now can see and hear from many people either live or in video form that they may not have in the past, or maybe only once in a while when the coffee talk or the town halls or things like that happened. So communication is, is utmost importance. Creating connections. This can be both formally and informally. How do you fill the seams rather than just Zoom meetings all the time? How do you get the one-on-one time? How do you get the informal time? How do you have the connections that are not always involving PowerPoint or a business review or a sales call or whatever, and keep that connection with people as humans? Because that's what is super important. And then I think the other thing also is, is celebrating. How do you create the rallying cry at times for different teams, organizations, or the company to come together? Some of the things may be evident, you know, a year-end goal or a kickoff to a quarter or a sales kickoff or something, but figuring out to leverage kind of the communication, the connection and the celebration so that that magic happens at the seams with teams, with people. It's people who do things. People are our greatest asset. We could do the coolest technology or the coolest PowerPoint presentation, but ultimately it's people who get things done. And when employees are engaged and they know what's going on, and we're connected with people, we do our best work in serving customers. And so it's it's kind of a very nice cycle, if you think about it. But we've had to really adapt and adjust to, gosh, not being face-to-face, and how do we keep the human connection and keep employees engaged every single day? One of the things I've been talking to a lot of people about is the shared experience. So often in an office, you have a shared experience. And now we're doing things like, okay, we're going to send everybody our cool company logoed socks, and we're going to take photos, and we're going to have a web conference and you know, yeah. show us in our swag. Yoga. <laughs> yeah. All sorts of fun stuff like that. So I really love the creativity in terms of being able to break down the boundaries and still have a vibrant corporate culture, even as we hire new employees. So I want to thank you for your time and for your insight. And I look forward to seeing what's next in your transformation. Thanks so much, Maribel. Appreciate the time. 